feel like I'm having deja vu. <laughs> what do you mean? This stupid thing. Am I dumb? <laughs> I can't win. Life isn't meant for me. <laughs> Dave's trying to adjust his mic right now. I give up. To no avail. I can. I it's can actually gunge. the other way. I think. Righty tighty, lefty loosey. Cool. Yeah. I'll try this now. Yeah. You gotta keep going. Yeah. There we go. Look at that. Stephen's always right. <laughs> Speaking of Stephen's always right. <laughs> today's topic is uh, a movie. <laughs> the movie just came out on Netflix by a man named Charlie Kaufman. It's the newest Charlie Kaufman joint. He's an auteur. Uh, I'd say so. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. <laughs> this movie is called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And uh, we're going to try to do this without any spoilers, which I think will be easy to do because... Because <laughs> <laughs> even we don't know what's happening in this movie. <laughs> and we've watched it. So... Well, we do now. But <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I think I have a pretty firm grasp on the things that happened in this movie. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, the audience, could hear me just roll my eyes at Gabe. Oh, it was audible. <laughs> it was like a grinding sort of noise, a droning. Just <laughs> my eyes have never rolled that far back into my head. The eyes dragging along the inside of... So, the short premise of this film is it's about a man... It's the story of a girl. No. It is about a man... <laughs> wrong on all accounts. It's about a man taking his girlfriend home to meet his parents. Hmm. It's about the drive there. It's about them in the house. And then it's about the drive back. It's a journey. On paper, that's what it's about. But in execution, it is the it's most disorienting film I've seen in quite a while. It's like a fever dream. It's like if you were dreaming. <laughs> you, you couldn't wake up. With a fever. It's a nightmare. I've, I've got a fever. It is. It has a lot of dreamlike qualities to it. When I initially saw the trailer, I thought it was... I thought it could have been an Ari Aster film because it was so strange and kind of unnerving. Sort of Asterly. Asterly. That's a good word. Sounds like a Game of Thrones character. But it has it has a very unique look and feel. And you notice pretty much immediately that not everything is right in this film story. Let's talk about its strengths because you're right. And that, that was going to bring me to my first point of strength for this film. It's so well made that it breaks all of the normal standardized rules of filmmaking mm. so that if you are a film nerd kind of like Gabe and I you will be on the edge of your seat just because of the pure spectacle of <laughs> trying to figure out what is happening it does an excellent job of building tension and uh, dread I think through those breaking of the rules yeah and it's because of that rule breaking that it creates this tone and for someone like me that's just i go into a movie like this thinking i'm hoping either the story is good or at least the filmmaking is good one of those things is going to hold my attention and in this instance both were good and it was keeping my attention throughout the whole film for the most part but it was also so disorienting because of them breaking the standardized rules of filmmaking like i was saying for example fourth wall yeah it breaks fourth wall it breaks continuity hundreds of times even within minutes of each other voiceover is heard by other characters it breaks the rules of dialogue and how characters should speak 
it breaks all rules all the rules it could break it breaks even um, transitioning from scene to scene sometimes yep, transitions is, editing i mean yeah. it's all done through editing but yeah. through editing and sound design and you have to really know what you want to accomplish in post when you're shooting to yes nail those things 100 percent. which is why the other strengths for me are the directing and the cinematography and the acting in fact, I think the acting holds this movie together. Everyone is amazing in it that is in this movie. Especially Tony Collette and David Thewlis. Yeah. And the main two characters that you're following, the younger folk who are in the relationship, are Jesse Plemons and a woman named Jesse Buckley, who is... The two Jessies. From Fargo. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those actors are in uh, Fargo. Judy, the, the movie oh, yeah. about Judy Garland. But she's really fantastic. I'm actually, if I could take away one thing from this film, be I'm excited to watch her career moving forward. Jesse Plemons is always a joy. Discount Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, he's no. great though. He's like the reincarnation of Philip Seymour Hoffman. A little bit, yeah. He has this sort of very heavy presence, almost like you don't know if you can trust him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like he might have ulterior motives at any point in time. <laughs> Which is perfect for this movie because yeah. the whole movie essentially is untrustworthy. Every minute of every scene, every moment is untrustworthy. Characters can't trust each other. We can't trust the characters. We don't know what we're saying. And you're trying to piece it together, which is partly due to the filmmaking and also due to what they call you know, an unreliable narrator. And so you're, you're kind of having tricks played on you the whole time. I was kind of alluding it to being, and this I guess is the weakness for me, is it's sort of like they cry wolf throughout the whole film so that even when they might pull back the curtain and show you what's really going on, you as the audience member, the viewer of this film, still doesn't even really know if you can trust what you're seeing or... You don't know if the resolution is true or not. Yeah, or if the outcome is true. Or if it's all just a part of the ploy. It's all part Part of a plan. (laughs) Just a dog chasing cars. (laughs) I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. So yeah, I really liked it because of the filmmaking, or you could even say lack of filmmaking if you look at it that way, because it's so well made that it's disjointing, which makes it very engaging for about two hours. And then in my opinion, it's toward the end, like I said, when it tries to reveal some things to you because you don't know if you can trust the movie, it's hard to put those pieces together. And so for me, I didn't understand what was going on, even to the very last frame of the film. And I didn't understand until I did research about it after the movie was over, which I think if we're speaking in, I guess, literal terms, means it is a bad movie because it didn't do its job, which is being self-sufficient and self-sustained enough for you to understand what's happening when you leave the viewing of that movie. That's something we've talked about before on the podcast. I think uh, it was Kristen that posed the question once. She said, is the film a good film if it can't really stand on its own legs in terms of merit? If you have to go find additional material afterwards to fill in the blanks and help you understand. But it's interesting to think about that because there's a whole spectrum of people that may or may not understand any given film. Like we walked out of The Lighthouse, for instance, feeling completely satisfied with our viewing experience. And I'm personally related to many people who had no idea what the fuck they just saw when they walked out of the theater. So, I don't know. I think, on a, more objectively, this film is much harder to grasp. I think you're correct on that point, that you do have to sort of know outside of the film. You have to do a little research, a little digging, to really, in a satisfying way, put the pieces together. Yeah, and I Because it does leave a lot to the imagination. Right. 
But I don't, as someone who likes to keep guessing, even when the credits begin to roll, for me, that wasn't as much of an issue. But I, I do think it would have been better if they had, if maybe Charlie Kaufman had been a little bit more straightforward in the end. Yeah, and that's my take, is that if he made a few minor adjustments and made it a self-sustained movie, then you could have exited the viewing of it, understanding even just conceptually a little bit of what actually was transpiring. But because it was left so ambiguous and it was untrustworthy the whole time, it almost like this movie did itself in, in that it was... It, it could have been an A-plus movie, and then it got taken down, I think, a notch, maybe to a B-plus movie because of that choice. Which was clearly intentional. Otherwise, he would have put that information in explicitly giving you the information that you needed at the end. Yeah, um, I would agree. Charlie Kaufman is a person that knows what he's doing when he's making movies, so it was a very intentional choice to end this film in a way that's very different from the source material because this film is based on a novel, mm-hmm. uh, which plays out a little bit differently. Yeah, and um, this is one of those films, I, I was equating it kind of to like a P.T. Anderson film. I don't know if anyone is familiar with P.T. Anderson. You know, yeah, I love P.T. Anderson. Okay, cool. But I even liked his last film, which a lot of people hated, <laughs> The Phantom Thread. This movie, or Charlie Kaufman, I guess in general, is really similar to P.T. Anderson, in my opinion, because apart from them being auteur and art films, they're highly intellectual films. And it often feels like you have to be a heady intellectual or maybe bookworm to understand all the references that these people are making. So apart from being a film nerd, you also have to be highly educated. Very well read. Very well read. <laughs> and well to, viewed. Yeah, to be able to put these things together because I believe that if you did know all the references and could quote the poetry and could quote the language that these characters are dialoguing back and forth that you might have been able to put these pieces together but I just think there's a very few amount of people that could have, could have actually done that there's an aspect to this movie I'll say that it's not it's not really a spoiler that incorporates musical and musical theater and one of the musicals they talk about is Oklahoma and I've seen Oklahoma live, and even I who recognize Oklahoma, even when I saw aspects of it on screen in this film, I couldn't put together what it was pulling from Oklahoma to use in a new context in this film. And so it was difficult for me to follow a lot of that intellectual language. And even though the dialogue was very verbose, I could follow the dialogue just fine, but it was when they started quoting authors or philosophers or poets that it really didn't land for me specifically. Maybe that's my own fault for just being an uneducated fool. You stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But P.T. Anderson's films often do the same thing for me. I left Inherent Vice not understanding a lick of it. (laughs) <laughs> and even doing research, it's all up to subjection. And and I think there's room for that in cinema, but... but 100%. I see, I see what you're saying. But it, it to me, a good film often hits a larger demographic because it can achieve something higher than what it's actually going for and being extremely auteur. This could have been one of those films that spoke to fear of aging and it had a lot of relationships yeah themes about relationships and fears and how they paralyze us in our life and how hard it is to age um which is not really talked about a lot but was a very interesting theme to this film but then it fell flat like it fell flat on its face in the end and that was sort of disappointing to me is because it had a lot going for it and then just sort of dropped off i would actually still recommend it if you can 
still watch it now knowing that we've talked about it, that it sort of does fall flat in the end. I was actually even saying to Gabe that I wish I had known the thing what that the story it, was. Yeah, was supposed to be the actual like little plot point that was missing the piece of information going into it so that I could actually enjoy watching the pieces fall as they may, you know. I don't want to completely shit on it. Um, yeah, I guess coming back to that question, the deeper question that Kristen posed in the Dark Podcast is, is art good if even if no one understands it? And this is one of those challenging works of art. It's not truly an impressionist painting, but it's certainly, if you don't have the internet next to you after you watch this movie, you'll be wondering for a long time exactly what you just saw. And you might... But I like that. You might choose to not like it or say that it's bad but it's it's not bad and i guess that's what i'm actually advocating for is it's not actually a bad movie it just makes a creative choice to be ambiguous and for gabe i think he (laughs) really likes that and for me i i criticize it going oh wow you could have actually reached more people if you didn't do that that's true that's that's what i'm saying that's true it's not for everyone (laughs) (laughs) that's true it's not you have to be into auteur this feels like a film Charlie Kaufman made. Well, he usually makes films that seem like they're definitely not for everyone, but this one in particular felt like it wasn't for everyone. Yeah. I will say, as we're winding up, one of the reasons I enjoyed this film is because there's really not a lot of people that can so accurately capture like a dreamlike state mm-hmm. as Charlie Kaufman and this sort of existential well, wondering. True. I felt like I was watching a dream play out in front of me because of how jarring it was and all the rules it was breaking. Um, I would like to actually see more of that through other filmmakers, but I totally agree. It, it was very amazingly, for the story that was being told, it was done amazingly mm-hmm. in the editing and the storytelling and the dialogue and how it spoke over. The sound design was cool too. The dialogue spoke over itself. Like Yeah, it kept running into it, the next they line. Would, they would talk on top of each other a lot, which was clearly a stylistic choice that was done on set. Yeah, it's very apparent pretty much right off the bat. Man, yeah. As a, I, as, as a clue, it's like a way for you to start thinking things are strange here. Yeah, beware that you might leave this thinking about it for a long time because of how strange it is. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like it, which still means that it has an impact on you. Think, yeah. think about that. That's true. Do you want to spoil it, Gabe? You just throw a spoiler warning here. A 30-second spoiler warning. Gabe wants to spoil it. You guys can end here. This is going to be the last thing that we say before we end the actual podcast. So Yeah, you have been warned. Go, go ahead. So... <laughs> The the reveal essentially at the end is that uh, all this is in the head of Jesse Plemons' character, Jake. I think his name was Jake, right? Yeah, as an old man. Yeah, interspersed throughout the movie are cuts moving in some direction, sideways, forward, backwards. We don't know really what it is, but it's Jake in the present day living as an old man, as a janitor at a school. And the rest of the film is him in his own head playing out his life as if it had been different as if this girl that he had met once briefly in a bar had become his girlfriend and his partner and possibly later on his wife even. And that is Jesse Buckley's character, who's referred to as different names throughout the film, Lucy being one of them. So everything that Lucy and Jake do together in this film is just in his own mind, and he's playing out this fantasy dream of him having had the courage to approach her that one time and be successful in a relationship with her. And that's them traveling together and seeing their parents, his parents also being a manifestation of his mind. They were real people that he had interactions with, but that's why they're constantly seen at different points throughout their lives is because he's remembering them 
sort of like how all these points in time occurring at once. And then the story ends with Jesse's projection of, or I keep saying Jesse, Jake's projection of <laughs> Lucy finally confronting him at the school. And in the novel, this is where he ends up in sort of a slasher film kind of way, uh, killing those manifestations of his mind and committing suicide then in that way. So it's very dark. <laughs> in the film, it's also pretty dark, but it has much more ambiguity where it seems like he's finally almost coming to terms with the lie he's been setting up in his own head for so many years and all the lost opportunities of his life and sort of that depression and possibly even handicapped state that he's living in. Mm. And then at the end of that, he finally seems to have one final mental breakdown in his car, and the assumption is that he freezes to death overnight. So, <laughs> Essentially killing himself or yeah. taking his own life. Because he can't do it anymore. He's finally realized that this is just absurd. And so the double meaning of I'm thinking of ending things is not. Mm -hmm. It's what he projects that this fake girlfriend would do if she were even in a relationship with him, that he's not even good enough to keep her around that she would want to end things with him in their relationship and then it's also about him thinking of ending things taking his own life in the end of the movie yeah and so every time lucy this girl thinks i'm thinking of any things it's really jake speaking through her because this version of lucy never even existed it's just a figment of his imagination and so every single scene is constantly changing her clothes her speech her name her name <laughs> her profession her interests, their story together, their, their age. Yeah. It's completely back and forth through time. There's no following it whatsoever. And that's why I was saying, if you knew the thing, if you knew that piece of information, you might be able to enjoy it more, but yeah, it's so jarring, which makes it really fun to watch. And honestly, if that piece of information was revealed to you before the movie or at the beginning of the movie, you might have enjoyed the movie less. So it was smart that they didn't have any reveal and then tried to reveal it in the end or whatever. I just wish that they would have revealed it even more at the end. Yeah. To make it. Wrap it up in a nice little, little bow. Proverbial nail in a coffin. The last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. To complete the work of art. Yeah. This has been another rendition. Another version. <laughs> <laughs> of the cult podcast we've already done 30 of these can you believe that this is uh the next one yeah this is one of them <laughs> <laughs> the one of many what song they you should do the the cue from the film the, the old timey song it's the the one the trailer opens with which is this really nice sort of fairy tale track yeah, yeah. okay it, it's very it's nice <laughs> here's that nice song called something i don't know what it's called shazam this song yeah